Hey yo, welcome to another edition of 43.6, the sports podcast you always wanted. I'm Dustin Perry and I'm joined by James Key. Hello, James. What up? <laughs> and Maddie Key. Hello, Maddie. That's the most basic like what up or hello he's given since we've started this. Usually because it's... things are working. That's why <laughs> I'm not freaking out about tech. It works. And that's that's a good thing. So, well, well, I mean, it kind of works. Yeah. So, what we're saying is, is anytime you, he has this long, like, hey, it's the nervous tick because we've had a technical issue beforehand. But lo and behold, so far, no technical issues and everything should be running smoothly on this week's episode. This week's episode, which will include the Toronto Blue Jays, Max Domi. The NBA in-season tournament, and if we have time, the state of TFC. All of that and a whole lot more coming up on this week's episode of 43.6, which of course is brought to you by Now Your Treasures, which we will talk a bit more about later. But first, we do like to discuss what has been going on in our lives in the past week since we last discussed things on this podcast. And James, are we going to start with you? Yeah, man. Work gave me a week off, which is really rare, I think. But although I've started to see on LinkedIn people sharing the fact that companies are just giving people a week off in July, uh, I think, you know, try and mitigate some burnout and things like that. So that was really uh, appreciated. So, um, you know, hung out with the kid. I took we went and saw Elemental, which was all right. It's I mean, it's a Pixar film. Like, in the truest, most basic sense, it's a Pixar film. Well, right? I mean, okay, so Pixar films are, can be really good. Mm-hmm. There's some, like, uh, Wally that was fantastic. It's, and, but I mean, like, in the most basics, like, it just it checks the boxes of a Pixar film. You know what I mean? Like, it doesn't, it doesn't achieve it. There's no massive... I mean, I think the guy who wrote it tried to create this message of, like acceptance among immigrants and and things and how you can blend and and it it, although it just kind of in a weird way it kind of loosely abandons that concept it it doesn't it doesn't hold on to it it just it hits the beat every 30 minutes do you know what i mean does that like am i making sense so no i got you but like it wasn't terrible it was fine um and it did that with the kid uh then I took her and the partner. We went to Niagara Falls yesterday. So the the price of I was going to take them to a hotel and do like the overnight thing. I've I've coordinated one bachelor party in Niagara Falls, gone to another in the past. I don't know. Was it Maddie? Five years? Six years? How long you you've been? uh 2019 was so the wedding years. so we would have gone in 2018 yeah so four or five years i've, I've done ho- they were hotels uh, we would stay at the hilton right hotels yeah. were a buck something they're 500 dollars now like the recuperation or recouping or whatever that word is of funds post covid is ridiculous it's everywhere man oh yeah the tourism the- industry is grinding that hard i i even said like we'll just go come back and just stay in a hotel here if it's cheaper just to give my kid the experience of staying in a hotel it's no different the price the price is the same so i decided to take them there just for the day and we did uh 
a whole bunch of shit. We did like the arcades, we ate, we, I took, uh, you know, her into the fun house, the little one. Uh, she, she got, she got jump scared a couple times and I was like, get me out of here. We did a maze and she figured out, she did the maze pretty well. She figured it out. Um, and then we did go-karts and she was my co-pilot on the go-kart and Amanda was, uh, in her own car. Uh, let me tell you, there are people that should not be allowed to drive go-karts, let alone real cars. And you want to know which kids are going to grow up and be the problems on the road? Look no further than than the Niagara Speedway in Niagara Falls. They they don't follow the rules. They're stupid. The and I'm I'm not saying like don't go out there and race, but like it's not hard to look behind you and and figure out where other carts are. These these kids are are, are uh, man. I don't even know. I'm at a loss for words. There's yellow lights because a, a kid will spin out and then. People like are putting on their brakes to stop from hitting the spun out kid. Nobody behind you is paying attention. They just ram into you, and it just turns well, into bumper cars. It, it, it's like Brampton is not confined to Brampton. <laughs> Brampton exists everywhere in Ontario. Brampton this is driving what happens. Culture, yeah. This is what happens when you have a generation of people growing up on Mario Kart Eight and Grand Theft Auto Five, whereas our generation grew up on like. Gran Turismo 3 A-Spec. No, Cruiser <laughs> USA. <laughs> right. It's well, like we learned how to drive from video games that were like driving games. All these kids are like, dude, I watched F1 Drive to Survive on Netflix. <laughs> it's like, but I like, they- which is, listen, part of, partially true. These guys cut their teeth and they start at go-karts, right? Like go-kart is the beginning of racing. Like, all And they show it all the time. These guys like karting is still very popular uh, even amongst adults in terms of a racing platform so it's not necessarily outside the realm of you know the like that area like area of sport to say oh i'm gonna race in a go-kart but also there's there's people like me who have their four-year-old in there and these guys are like right up my ass so i almost fought a 13 year old kid i mean so wait, hold. Oh, no. Why did you almost fight the thirteen-year-old kid? Was this because he was on? Oh, your he rear-ended ass? me when someone was spun out. Like he, he, like one hundred percent, bam, and I was like, like I felt it in my lower back. So I was gonna do the thing. Like I was in the, I had to go to the bathroom, and he was in the next urinal. I was just gonna, just head against the wall, as the guy had his <laughs> dick in his hands. Just boom. Like and it's the world's end. He's gonna crack his blue skull into the. Yeah, thing? he's knocked out with his dick in his hand, which is the most embarrassing way to be knocked out. I was going to say, as someone who <clears throat> potentially works in that industry, I don't think you can make an auto claim for that. <laughs> like like an injury claim for that. Right. Just just saying. So that was no, me. No, Niagara's fun, though, but like food there is expensive as fuck. Like you go to a like an IHOP here or some shit. It's you get breakfast for two people and shit for twenty five dollars. That's like a third of the price of one person down in Niagara. So if you go there, yes, we ate at Kelsey's and it was fine. Uh, it was it was relatively the same price, but yeah, if you go to the IHOP or any of like the solo restaurants, like the other place we went, what's that place we went to where they they shaved the meat right in front of you? Oh, uh, Brazza. Brazza. No, Brazza. Well, there, yeah, there's two places same, there. But same yeah, gimmick. Brazilian steakhouse is what you're looking yeah, talking about. Yeah, yeah, that's expensive. 
right? Uh, well, but well, the Cape is like the standard bachelor party place that everyone goes to. What you is? go to a Brazilian steakhouse in Niagara, which yeah. is almost stupid because you're eat so much, you get the meat sweats and the you get fatigued from which all the meat. Which is not impressive for a either. stripper. Yeah, meat sweats. You know. <laughs> Could you imagine? Yeah, get the meat sweats and go to the peelers. She's like, mm, I smell ham. <laughs> you, just, you just reek of reek of shaved chicken. <laughs> yeah, and pineapple. Is that pineapple? Did you have the grilled pineapple? Listen, pineapple <laughs> like, is good for you know. So yeah, it's, just saying, it's it it is good. But when we did that for my cousin's bachelor party, I remember like, I I turned. I think I turned to you and I was like, we shouldn't eat this much. Like yeah, right? we got a whole night ahead of us and all these guys are just hammering it. And a couple of them were absolutely a mess for the rest of the night. Couldn't do couldn't do anything. But the food is good. Yeah. But yeah, if you go to those solo like places, I think it's way more expensive than if you go to like a chain like like when we went to the keg for years, <laughs> it like the price was no different than the keg here. No. Uh, but the IHOP breakfast was expensive. But yeah, that keg was, is actually was, really nice there. It was fun. My kid, I wanted to take my kid to see the falls. Like it's the first time she had like a trip, um, you know, two hours in a car and stuff like that. Uh, and she saw the falls. She was like, cool. And she was looking at them and she liked them for the first few minutes. And then we're like, do you want to see them again? Like, do you want to, she goes on the grass. We're like, Hey, you want to come? She goes, no, <laughs> she says, I want to go play the games. So we took her up to, to the arcades and stuff which was a blast which they do have an old school style arcade there still where you use tokens and it prints tickets which is definitely lost on society they need to bring back more of those games arcades where you actually print the tickets and you feed the tickets into another machine that prints you out another ticket that tells you how many tickets you had which is fine but there's a certain amount of like dopamine release when you win a shit ton of tickets and it's just printing out you're like yes and it's just feeding out and you're just like this asian kid hit the thousand on the wheel and it's just printing and there was like immense amount of jealousy in me i was like i wish i was that kid right now he's getting mad tickets yeah but the, the ticket feed is the best i i miss those days and like you're running through holding it like this and dragging the big ass fucking thing all around the best i remember they used to give what was it like the bucket to put the tickets in or they like still the give them they still give them That's the bucket's awesome. there we should go. Yeah. Let's go. I'd be. Yo, I'll do Niagara. I gotta wait for the kids a little older to actually enjoy it, though. Yeah, I, I. Yeah, I mean, you want them to experience things, but like, I don't know. It's a lot of fun. <laughs> nice, Dustin. Your weekends are weak. It's interesting you mentioned how expensive hotels are in Niagara. I'm potentially going to Boston to see a Red Sox game at some point this summer. And we were just looking up like flights and like a flight to Boston shouldn't cost any more than like $200. And it's like $600. And then there is the hotel shouldn't cost any more than $150. It's like $600. It's like, what is happening? Why am I going to spend $1,000 to go to one baseball game in Boston? This is obscene. What's that air flight uh, or air company swoop? Don't they exist anymore? Where it was no, like they, super I think cheap. they canceled that. Oh, like did they really? Because like, I know it was into like the parent company. Yeah, it's like dirt cheap, but you had to pay for every bag. So if you had a backpack, it'd be like sixty bucks. But like the flight itself was like hundred and twenty. When do you when do you think you're going? I'm in I'm in that area at the end of August. Uh, we're looking beginning of August, so oh, well, that won't work out. I won't see you. 
We won't cross <laughs> but paths. Nevertheless, we're. I mean, I bought the tickets. We're going. It's just a matter of like. He's just whining. drive, sir. How much we're gonna have? To, we are going to drive, um, because the flights are stupid. And well, I mean, two of the guys who are going live in the United States, so it's, like the flight don't matter. Like they're not flying, so they don't care. Or if they I did, just, like say they live in Buffalo, it'd be cheap as shit. Listen, if Mike Bennett and Maria can drive in a car, so can you. That's true. I guess I'm not better than them, am I? No. <laughs> I did see UFC this past weekend, though. And, man, every time I watch UFC, I just think, these guys have their shit together. You know what I mean? Like, from a, I always look at it in terms of, and it, it makes me laugh when AEW first started and they said, we're going to be a sports-based wrestling company. That went out the oh, window real quick. Yeah, that, that went out the door like the only thing that sticks around from that is the record on the lower third. Yeah, and like considering half the time the lower third is just some guy joking around and putting up goofy shit on their lower thirds. Anyways, um, anytime I watch UFC, I'm just thinking, man, this is how it's supposed to be done. Like this is a sports-based presentation of a wrestling show, and this is how cool it could be. If someone just decided to, hey, let's just copy what you... Like, WWE did that for Cruiserweight Classic, and that was, like, the coolest thing they've ever done, and they never went back to it for whatever reason. But anyways, UFC's awesome. I enjoy watching it. Um, even, like, okay, it's, it's incredible to me how they sell, like, everything, right? You'll have, like, a fighter facts come up, and it's, like, at the very bottom, presented by Manscaped. And then there's... Another thing after that, where it's like betting lines on the fight presented by DraftKings and every fighter has to wear a Venom, like all their gear says Venom on. I don't know what the fuck Venom is, but apparently it's a clothing company and yeah, it's a combat sports like apparel and also gear. They do gloves, they do wraps, they do shorts, they do t-shirts. It's tap out, but 2023. Right. And then did you notice, and I know they announced this a while ago, but I never really picked up on it until this show that they all come to the octagon wearing the exact same shoes. So yeah, the rock, uh, it's the project rock under armor shoes. So that yeah. is, so there was a huge thing a while back because they had signed that exclusive contract with Reebok. Remember where Reebok was making all the gear and they were freaking out because a form of income for the fighters was selling sponsorships on their own gear. Right. So that contract expired. Now they have a contract with venom and I'm guessing the shoes is just a contract with under armor and project rock. Right, they're probably just expanding it, right? Where instead of just one sponsor like Venom had, it's like, well, now you have, you know, the rock shoes that you have to wear. And now you have to hold a bottle of Prime at the end of your fight. <laughs> it's just yeah. every little chance they have to throw in some product placement, they do. I think it's brilliant. But I, it's also UFC not like, together. it's also not punching you in the dick. Like, it's very organically placed. Like, you don't, I don't feel like I'm being sold left, right, and center. You know what I mean? It's 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 definitely not like Adora Forest, Ophelactery, Marinations. It's more I was actually it, gonna say is like if you're looking for a good proctologist <laughs> <laughs> Major League is the best. Um, oh yeah. <laughs> the signs, that was funny, the signs in the other Dustin, did you ever see Major League? Yeah, of course. I mean the second you see the second ago, one I haven't when they seen it some time though. The second one when they sell the signs in the outfield and one of the signs is for a proctologist. It's right. pretty funny. Um, the thing I, I've tried to get back into UFC recently, the thing that that bothers me is there's it's just so much. There's so yeah. many more divisions. There's so many more fighters in each division. It I find it, and I've said this before, my main complaint is when I was really big into UFC, it was 
Chuck Liddell, Rampage Jackson, Tito Sugar Ortiz. Rashad Evans. It was all those dudes. Uh, Tito Ortiz, you know, even in a little bit to the Anderson Silva era. Uh, but there, there were stars. I don't feel like they these guys have enough time to become stars you know i i I feel like they're they're just constantly searching for the next contender because the good guys tend to just plow through everybody you know like like look at john jones or anderson silva for years i'm a firm believer that anderson silva ruined that division because he beat everybody and then it was like, well, why? Well, then like, there's why GSP. am I what? You know, but well, I think that was good for the sport in a sense that like we can all name who the top fighters of each division were at the time, right? Like Matt, I just mentioned GSP, like he was the king of the welterweight division for so long. Well, yeah, was and then during that same time, Anderson Matt, Silva was the king of the middleweight division, right? Well, the the thing with GSP is he had that three-way uh, rivalry between Matt Hughes and Matt Serra, remember? Matt Serra had no business ever winning the welterweight title, but he did. Uh, and then there was the, the fights between him, Hughes, and Serra. But I don't, I just don't... Uh, I just feel like I don't know these guys. And maybe it's because I don't pay attention, but I feel like I don't know them for the same reason I don't know boxers. There's just so many divisions and so many things. Like, I just, I, like, I get spun. Well, the thing is, too, is, like, I think the the good thing about the, I guess you could, you could call it the peak or the golden age of UFC, which was our high school years of UFC when it was really coming into its own and kind of, like I said, you had all those names. They created almost mythical figures where you know you watch them and you're just you're like holy shit like you're watching this dude go you're watching tito chuck or you're watching rampage versus chuck or you're watching like gsp matt sarah or some shit like that and you're watching anderson silva just dummy people all the time and you know you created only like i said almost like these ancient greek style mythological figures of you know of tales and shit like that and as you said it's these guys now you might have a guy that goes on a run for you know two or three defenses and then he loses or you know there's the divisions are so many people it's like trying to keep track of who's next but this guy can't go because he just fought this so really it's not the next guy in line it's the next next guy in line because he's ready to fight but you know what i mean it just gets too convoluted I'm, I find myself going and that's a good point i found like those fights felt like super fights because you're waiting two three months for that fight to come and like you said it was uh rampage versus rashad evans and you're like holy and they did the ultimate fighter and they hate each other it feels like the fights are every week and it's you know if it's adesanya it's adesanya beating guy a like that's just what it feels like to me like i feel like the contenders don't have enough time to be built up as as contenders i feel like it's just next man up you know and that's i feel like yeah, I, I feel like there is a disconnect of what like there's so many things that they borrow from professional wrestling. And this is one of the things they need to borrow more from in terms of promos and guys talking. And you see it after every fight, Joe Rogan gets in the in the cage and he interviews a fighter. It's like, hey man, so like who do you want who do you want to fight next? And so many of them give you like the canned athlete answer, like, you know, I'm just gonna I'm just gonna fight hard and you know, it doesn't matter like whoever they put in front of me, I'm gonna like, this is your opportunity to fucking shoot a promo on somebody. Money. I don't care who it is. Sell yourself, man. Right. 
give us a reason to care about you. Like you have 15 seconds, make up something to make people cheer you or boo you or like give us a reason to want to see you fight a uh, fight the next guy. After the the middleweight fight with Robert Whitaker and uh Drake uh Duplessis, I think is how you say his name. Uh Duplessis won the fight and then right after that they're shooting um Israel Adesanya in the crowd and then he like jumps into the octagon and they have like a stare down and man someone needs to give these guys promo classes like it was bad it's like I know what you guys are trying to do and you're trying to set up a fight between these two guys it's like uh, this is not working maybe this they'll is, get like, some help cross brand when the merger comes through maybe they'll a lot of synergies yes synergies right oh corporate yeah. speak let's fucking go do that all day. I'll get you guys yeah. hard on corporate speak. But like, I watched the Nunez card, and I liked it. I was entertained. I found myself sometimes going, do, you know, with all of that I know about concussions and stuff. Do I really want to watch these people get punched and kicked in the head? You know. But then I go, yeah, whatever. Like, Next fight's on. <laughs> the thing is, too, is like what bothers me is the same people who complain about fighting in hockey, or you know concussion impacts in football will be the first one being like so are we watching ufc this weekend it's like well shut up sounds like you're describing me honestly yeah <laughs> go fuck yourself <laughs> well no like my my <laughs> argument for fighting in hockey we have to go down this road I, all I, I always joke about and again it comes down to that adage of the nhl isn't a real league but they're so like hell-bent and upset and like zero like laser focused on removing headshots in the game <laughs> it's like well you're allowed to punch a dude in the fucking head <laughs> what are we talking about? Well, That's I all I'm say, saying. That's I will say this, though. I think the speed and impact of a guy going 35 kilometers an hour with his shoulder right into your face is a little... To an unsuspecting more. victim. To an unsuspecting victim is worse sure. than a hockey fight, right? Like, Yeah, no, it's just still principal point of contact to the head. Sure. Still gets a five-minute well, major. <laughs> glad, glad you enjoyed UFC this weekend. Yeah, sir. I, really, I really enjoyed it. It was a good time. Um, Maddie, what about you? Uh, I beat Final Fantasy 16. I know I've been talking about it for a while. And honestly, it's I've played every one of these games in the series from the beginning multiple times and at least mainline. Um, And this one has crept up to nothing will supplant 10 is my favorite just because beyond just the game, there's, you know, moment of life and what it meant to me that like outside of just the gameplay and the story that it has impact and why it'll be my favorite forever so i kind of don't really include it as my favorite but because it's not fair but this is probably right after that now it was that good to the point where like in the final moments of the game i i i I couldn't speak and my wife was like tearing up watching it like she she was like i'm in it and so it was it was an absolute masterpiece so i'm sad that it's over i'm really hoping they do dlc (laughs) Because they said, hey, depending on the reaction and if people want it, we'll do it. So I'm hoping with how good reception this game has gotten that they'll do it. So um, I did that. And then what else? How often do you play DLC, though? For it depends how how into the game I am. So for Final Fantasy 15, I played all the DLC. For this, I would obviously like if they were like, hey, we're going to do three DLC packs. It's going to cost $200. I'll pay it. I don't fucking care. Um, okay. I would say uh, most of the Assassin's Creed's up like the Ezio Assassin's Creed's. I did all the DLC for those. If there was. 
I don't know. I always feel like I guess it's a timing thing of like when the DLC drops. I feel like there has to there has to be a it's close enough to release of the game. Because if I get far enough away from the game and I haven't touched it in a long time, and then you give me a DLC a year later, I'm like, I've forgotten how to play this game. I've forgotten right. what's happened in this game. I don't know if I, I want it. Like, I enjoyed the game. I just don't know if I want to go back, right? Yeah. Spooderman, I played all the DLC, but that's because um, when you got the game, I guess, for PS5, you got all the DLC with it. And I was like, and your save carried over from the PS4 version. So I was like, look, I might as well just do the DLC. Screw it. You know, I hadn't played it in a while. It's cool. Miles Morales is coming out, so I'll do all this DLC. I enjoyed it. Um, but yeah, no, it depends on how into the game I am. So like, if I really, really like the game and really invested mostly into the story, I'll do the DLC. But if I just enjoyed it, I was like, yeah, it was cool. And whatever, then, you know, I'll probably overlook it. So no, I did that. And then uh, what else did I do? I don't know, man. We like taking our kid out to like malls and doing like mall walks and like little ootings like that because, um, you know, it kind of gets her like exposed and kind of experiencing different things. And she hates being in the stroller, man. Like she wants to be out and being able to like look around at shit and grab at shit. And we're at the Korean grocery store, like shopping and everyone stops and is like, oh, she's so cute. And like poking her and stuff. Um, and like I turn around and in her fist, she's got like a bun in her hand, like a bag, <laughs> like a Asian bun, like, you know, like the hot dog. Have you ever had, you know, like the Chinese or like the Asian buns where it's like a sweet bun with a hot dog like inside a, of it? Like a bao bun? Yeah. Okay, sure. Yeah. Yeah. So <laughs> anyway, so I turn around and I look and she's just like, I'm holding her. And then I look and she's just got this like goofy ass little gummy smile on her face and she's just looking around with a bun in her hand and the baggie and i'm like oh great i got a little klepto on my hand so, <laughs> no that's that's kind of what we got up to and now we're just kind of prepping for uh we're leaving for ireland on july 28th so like two weeks from this friday so that'll be cool so yeah going to the one of the motherlands for myself and jim here so that would be cool taking the kid on their for first trip out. So, yeah. That's cool. It. And that's what happens in uh, the summer. Everyone starts going on vacation. As James had a week off, apparently. Now Maddie's going to Ireland. And also in the middle of summer is the MLB All-Star Game. It's the, the annual break in the middle of the season. And it's the Home Run Derby is actually happening as we're recording. And... I don't know if you guys have it up on one of your extra oh, monitors or something. Yeah, Maddie does. I do. I don't know if James does. He might be looking at it on his phone. But it is cool as hell, like this entrance they're doing. I don't know if you guys are watching this immediately, yeah. but on the stage and shit, I guess it's pretty cool. I always said, like, it bothers me at the beginning of a season when they're showing, like, they're introducing the entire roster. Like, here's the home opener, and here's the guys on our team. And the Blue Jays usually do, like, jack shit. It's like, Here's, here's them running out of the dugout. It's like, couldn't you give them like a light treatment? Couldn't you? Maybe that's just a pro wrestling in me. But like, couldn't you figure out a way to no, make it get more? No, they fucking can because Jordan Romano gets it every fucking game. No, they can. And uh, speaking of hockey, the Leafs are the worst of the worst. They're the fucking worst. They like they give zero shits about any anything they have to spend extra money on. They're like, no, fuck it. We're just gonna go and use the same. 
royalty-free music that we use on this show and find a random like BMG one and play that over and over again, and they're just gonna skate out. Like there's literally no other pomp or circumstance around. Do you remember it. in the early two thousands when the Leafs had they had Marilyn Manson, but they just had the intro play over and over? They're just yeah. the drums. They still yeah, play that song actually. Beautiful people. It's just the same. Yep. And then they had Enter Sandman. I think. I know we said it, or I think I said it many times in the show, but I hope to fuck that Tree Living actually does something about that goddamn goal song. But yeah, the intro songs are another thing altogether. Yeah, like, they don't. Someone, and then, there's going to be someone in charge of this shit. They had Muse for a while. They should do cut, like, I know some teams have done this already, but custom goal songs would be the greatest thing ever. The Sabres right? do Where it, you just yeah. go. Yeah, the Sabres do it. And it's just like, how awesome would that be if, you know, Austin Matthews scores, regardless of what he wants as a song but he gets his song and then it's like baby murder and shit like baby justin bieber yeah it probably will be something bieber but no it's a good point and i only the only issue i see with that is like they not necessarily knowing who scored the goal when it happens but that's a rare occurrence i suppose yeah like it's maybe a tip in or something like that where you can't tell and even then it's who cares right like it's gonna be what one out of every 40 goals you're not gonna know yeah it's actually pretty simple to do but nevertheless we were, <laughs> i was eventually driving at the fact that major league baseball all-star game is happening and that means we are kind of in the halfway point of the season and which is probably now a good time to take a look at the toronto blue jays i know we haven't covered them a whole lot over the past couple of weeks because i think like baseball is a hard thing i should say hard baseball is a I was gonna say challenging, still not the right word, but it's just I think it's almost futile to look at it like day to day or week to week sometimes of like you'll have a guy go out there and and pitch six innings and be amazing, and the next game he'll go out there and barely get out of the first. And it's depending on when you record the show, this guy's either an asshole or he's like the second coming of Jesus Christ. So that now that we're middle of the season, we have a bit more sample size what all these guys are doing and how they're playing. I would like to get your thoughts on this Toronto Blue Jays team. Because right now, at this current moment, the Toronto Blue Jays are 50 and 41. They're nine games above 500, which is only good enough for third place in their division. Let's not even talk about what their record within their division is. But I think what's important to note also is that if the playoffs were to start today, the Blue Jays are in a playoff spot. They're in the second wild card currently. Orioles are in the first wild card, and then the Blue Jays, and then the Astros. So they're in a playoff spot. And I don't know if that's something we were necessarily expecting a couple of weeks ago. And that's why I mean, like, it's hard to talk about this team week to week because so much can change within any given day. But James, we'll start with you. What do you think of this Blue Jays team currently as it exists? I mean, I think it's a tale of so many expectations not coming to fruition and then things that we weren't really depending on actually happening. Like, remember the beginning of the season we said, like, Brandon Belt fucking sucks. And now he's one of their most dependable hitters. Oh, man. Like, at the beginning of the year, when we were talking about that DH spot for Brandon Belt, we were thinking... Okay, Belt's going to fizzle out by May, and then the Reds are going to be shit by, like, second week of April, and then 
all right, Joey Votto is going to be traded to Toronto, and that's going to do it. But now the Reds are like one of the best teams in the league, and Brandon Belt's hitting well. So who the fuck? Well, Whatever. Yeah, and and the Reds are the, one of the best teams because Eli De La Cruz is probably the best player in baseball right now. Oh man, the other day when he stole the, in the same he stole home third and yeah. Stole second, stole third, and then stole home. It's like, this guy's the, from another fucking planet. I love this ballsiest guy. ballsiest fucking... And he's how old? What, 20, 20, 21? Oh, he's like... Yeah, he's in his early 20s, for sure. I Ballsy. currently have him in my in my lineup, my his Future Stars card, and MLB The Show. Wonderful. Um, but yeah, so like we didn't... We didn't and we thought Manoa was going to continue his trajectory. Uh, he had a trajectory. He just went straight down. Although his his start on Friday against the Tigers was half decent, uh, eight Ks, one earned run, but he threw, he threw like thirty pitches or something in the first, which was no bueno. Uh, so I don't know, man. I feel like their record in a weird and I know this sounds kind of obvious. The record reflects this team pretty accurately. I, I think you know. It's hard watching Vladimir Guerrero chase, basically turn into Teoscar Hernandez, just down and away, swing, down and away, swing, down and away, swing. These guys love to swing at first pitches, and it drives me banana sandwich. I don't know who's not coaching them. Like, like take a pitch, see what the guy's throwing. Like, I don't know, man. Um, other than that, I think I think they're just slightly below expectations a lot of people said they would finish with about 96 to 98 wins what would they have to go for the balance of the season to to hit 96 if they're at 50 now they need 40 games i would games. have to do some math but how I, many I games do are the remaining? math give me a second <laughs> well if they're if they're at the half if they're 49 and 40 no they're they're, so. they're 50 and 41 Okay, so, so, so if they're 15-41, they've played 91 games. There's 162 in the schedule. Right. So they need they would need another 45 to 46 wins. Yep. Which is so, 63%. 630 ball, which is <laughs> arguably kind of what they've been playing. Uh, right. I mean, that's really difficult to do, though. Yeah, and I don't know what their AL East schedule looks like in the back half of the year. So the other thing, too, is like you can't... Like, do we expect the Yankees to sit at the same record as the Jays? And I mean, well, I also don't think. Listen, the Jays were never. Everybody slept on the Orioles, and they shouldn't have because at the end of last year, the Orioles went on a run, and you know they they've done a real good job of not trading away their high-end prospects. And we've talked about this before, and I think the one mistake the Jays have made. In developing their team over the years, is is trade they they pitched their their prospect uh, hopes onto two guys in well three really I guess Manoa Bo and Vladdy and there were so many other prospects that have come through the system that might have been really good on this team and they're not here uh, but if you look at the Orioles the Orioles farmed everybody through. And now you're looking at Gunnar Henderson, Ryan Mountcastle. Like, these guys are... And they're young, right? And they're going to be here for a long time. And I think it's because in baseball, prospects never made... And Eli De La Cruz is a great example. If you're a prospect, it was like 27, 26 by the time you made the roster. 
baseball is the last league for prospects to start playing in their t- early 20s, 2021, which is crazy to me because, you know, these guys can hang and they're, they're proving it all the time. So, I don't know. I think – is Hunjin Ryu going to pitch? Is he going to be any good? Like, that's a question. I don't know. I feel kind of – I'm teeter-tottery on this team. Sometimes they look fantastic. Other times they look completely lost out there. Uh, and for some reason they're just – they're god-awful against their own division. Yeah, I mean, I think, like, this is the one year where the division – record doesn't matter as much as previous years obviously it still matters but with playing less in your own division that if there's ever a year that the jays were not going to be good in the al east this was going to be the one the problem is is that last year there was so much expectation and they faltered heavily and then this year there was still roughly the same level of expectation but they made the additions to the team that everyone said they needed they needed you know, more gamers. They got Matt Chapman. They needed, you know, left-handed bats and better defensive uh, outfielding. And they got it in Kevin Kiermaier and Dalton Varsho. So it's just, I think that there was a mindset that they'd be competing for the division lead. Now, granted, you know, the Rays went on a historic run to open the season and have fizzled and come back down to earth. But even still, the fact that the Jays have just not played up to par is concerning because, you know, it's where's the problem now? Is is a guy like Vladdy the problem? Is, you know, like you start getting into those questions. Is a guy like Bo the problem? Obviously, we've seen it with Manoa that he couldn't continue on the success from last year. And, you know, that's kind of expected teams get kind of caught off guard with a young rookie pitcher like that early in the season. Don't have as much video on him. Haven't seen him as much. Don't have good reads. So he kind of comes out now that they've had a full season, you know, to see him and had time to study him. He's getting exposed a little bit. So I, I think that will they make the postseason? I think they will, but I, I don't necessarily like their chances in a wild card game. The scary you know, or thing, series. Yeah, the scary thing about the postseason thing is, like Dustin said, they got to play what six thirty ball. Yep. The Tampa Bay Dude, Rays are currently that mark of whatever ninety one wins or whatever it was. Yeah. Yeah, the Tampa Bay Rays are currently playing six twenty four ball. So they would have to replicate the Rays up until now, which which is unlikely. They would essentially have to win every series. From they'd have to win two of three. Yeah, to, for to the rest right, of the yeah, season. Hold on, to, yeah, and to get to 96, where everyone prognosticated they would have to get to make the playoffs. And I'm not saying they can't make the playoffs with less than that. I'm just saying to hit that kind of 96 win uh, mark, that would have to be... The other piece, too, is we're coming up on trade deadline, right? So the, the Jays don't have a lot of prospect capital left to deal out and i don't even know what they would acquire like like who would be the big swing pardon the pun for baseball that you would even want on this team like where would you address if you look at the the bullpen you know does the bullpen need shoring up does the we have like you know does do, uh, do another hitter in the lineup i don't i don't know who do you take out well i th- okay so glad you bring that up that's a good question there was a 
interesting thread, we'll say, on Twitter today from Chris Black, at Down to Black on Twitter. He pr- he's probably on threads too, but I don't fucking know. Whatever. <laughs> uh, as we all slowly migrate over to threads. But for now, while we're still kind of using Twitter. Which you can follow us on threads. Can we? Can they? Yes. Yeah. Yeah, uh, okay. soon. Soon, <laughs> we, we will have a threads. <laughs> All right. Yeah. Cool. Um, it was about the defensive runs saved by position, and the Blue Jays are very good defensively. I mean, look at these statistics. If you look at center field defensive runs saved in all of Major League Baseball, number three is Luis Robert with seven. Blue Bob. Number two, Dalton Varsho with nine. And number one, Kevin Kiermaier with 14. Well, <laughs> the Blue Jays have number one and number two on the list with 23 defensive runs saved in center field. That's obscene. But you know what? That's the, with those two guys, that's the expectation. Yeah. Well, that's and that's, I, why, I mean, that's why they brought in Varsha yeah. and Kiermaier. And Kiermaier. <laughs> yeah. But so if you look at the full list of like defensive runs saved by the Blue Jays, 23 in center field, the combined Kiermaier and Varsho. Catcher, eight. Left field, seven. Third base, seven. That all makes sense because Varsho is playing left field most of the time. And Chapman is incredible at third base, so that all makes sense. Shortstop is one. Like, Bobachet actually isn't costing them runs defensively. Not as He's bad as last year. He's actually making up runs. Yeah. He is nowhere near as bad as last year. They're just, and they're just also, inappropriately timed, right? They're just... I don't know if it's a pressure thing or they're just really egregiously not the best timing of his errors, right? Like, it's like if there was right, a clutch, but, if there was a clutch stat for defense, I would be interested to see what his clutch stat would be for defense. No, I hear you, and I, I know that's been the criticism for Bobuchet for quite some time. But I think it's worth mentioning that thus far this season, he's by far the best player in the Toronto Blue Jays. Oh, for yeah, sure. without question, the most home runs, the most RBI. Uh, he has the best he, average at 317. He's the AL leader in hits. In hits. He has 122 hits right now. That's crazy. Wild. And his wins above replacement right now is 3.6. Like he is an outstanding player on this. As team. advertised. Outstanding. Yeah. Yeah. As he should be, right? So well, it's what we all expected him to be now. Like this is no. this is what we thought or what we envisioned Bobachette to be. But if you go further down the list of where they're struggling defensively, it's right field, it's second base, and it's first base, which is odd for first base because, like, Vladdy should be better than that. But I feel like there's a lot of things that Vladdy's not as good as, as he should now, be, right? Hold on, though. But how many of those are on Vladdy or on plays from Bo? Because there's a lot of times. Yeah, that- I, I know. It's, I, I, I get your point. It, it Sometimes first base stats like that, it's, it's tough. Who do you hang the error on, right? Yeah. But I'm not even necessarily picking on the minus five first base. I'm mainly looking at the minus three right field and minus two second base. I'm just thinking maybe it's time to just move on from George Springer in the outfield period. He's just your, he's your DH, right? And then you go and find another right fielder who can potentially bring you some speed and potentially bring you another left bat, right? So if you're going to take that left bat out of your DH, you slot in a left bat into right field and off you go. I don't know who that guy is. I'm just hypothetically throwing out how they can potentially uh, fix this team. And second base, I think, has been a problem for a while, right? Like, we love Espinal. But he can't hit. He's not a great hitter. At times, he's, he's a fantastic hitter. And at times, he's horrendous. 
And I kind of feel the same way with Kevin Biggio sometimes, right? Where Biggio will smash a home run. You're like, oh, God damn, this guy's awesome. And then he'll go for a month without getting a base hit. And you're like, well, shit. <laughs> so, or, accor- accor- according to Buck Martinez, all he needs is some sex. That's true. <laughs> that is something that came out of the mouth of uh, Buck Martinez. I don't think that's what he meant, but I you're just, right. I don't. I mean, everyone knows the, the actual solution is to move Bo to second, right? Like, that's always been the conversation, is that Bo Bichette moves to second base. They get a proper shortstop in here, and everything solves itself from that perspective. And I know that Bo hasn't been as much of a pain at shortstop, so like that solution isn't as you know uh, prevalent as it was previously. But Arelvis Martinez is starting to hit in the minors he's starting to improve and he's a wonderful defensive player and they may have also just drafted a shortstop as well in arjun namala who the very first ever player of indian descent to be taken in the first round of major league baseball which is pretty cool um so for me personally, I love the I love the pick of Arjun. Obviously, um, it's cool to see a brown dude in baseball. That doesn't happen like ever. So I'm curious to see how that works out. But I mean, like the dude's like 17 years old. I don't expect to see him play meaningful games for the Toronto Blue Jays for at least the next five years. But you're right, Orlis Martinez supposedly is ready. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we'll see. Do I mean, you really it would want be in though, like and kind well, of that- keep that kind of pressure on him. But that's the thing. It's that or they're going to deal him, right? And I don't. And they've dealt away so many prospects that I just don't know if they can do that anymore. You know, even from a pitching like Tiedemann's hurt, they don't have they don't have the depth uh, of prospects in the pool to go out there and acquire anyone of of game changing. You know, that that kind I of. I wish game- baseball let you deal draft picks. Like it's so stupid. You can't deal draft picks in baseball. <laughs> It's also stupid that the draft is in the middle of the season, but yeah, <laughs> here we like, are. I, I got the tweet that they drafted, uh, and I'm not going to attempt to say his name cause I'll butcher it, but I, I got, I saw the, um, the thread, the Instagram post, the tweet and the Facebook notification that they drafted this guy. And I was like, Holy shit. The baseball draft was tonight. <laughs> like, and you can't trade those guys until like a year, right? Like you have to hold on to your prospects for a year. I, I think, I think it's a year. So, it's I just don't I don't know that there's a move out there that Jays could make that's gonna that's gonna change the course of this team dramatically. I think they have to bet on who they have. And these guys have to start coming through. And I think the biggest guy is Vladdy. Like the fact that he has thirteen home runs right now is kind of embarrassing. Yeah, I'm surprised he's even allowed to compete in this home run derby tonight. <laughs> it's like you look at the stats of everyone else. It's like, why is this guy here? <laughs> it's the like, name. Who are the, like, who are the? I'm gonna look it up. Who are the home run leaders in in the MLB right now? Like Otani's up there, right? Yeah, Otani's there. Of course, Otani is there because he's a freak, a freak of, of nature. nature. Well, uh, he's, the, he's the leader. Oh, uh, look he's at got thir- Okay, so he's got 32, and then of yeah. course, as we talked about previously on this podcast, do you know who's number two? Matt Olson with 29. Mm. And then the polar bear, Imagine Pete Alonso. What happened if Oakland kept those guys, right? Duh. And the polar bear, Pete Alonso, 26. Like, Vladdy is not in the top He's, 23. He would have to double his home run production 
to be in the conversation of Dude, the top home run hitters in the league. The fucking rookie Corbin Carroll is 18 home runs. Corbin Carroll's been tearing the cover off the ball, and I don't understand why. The Jake fucking Burner is also really good. relatively new. <laughs> it's a, 19 home runs. Fucking Max Muncie has 21. So I'm just saying. No, he's definitely got to pick it up. But, well, hold on. I wonder, though. And <laughs> you look around the Blue Jays, and no one's hitting a ton of home runs. Like, Bo is leading, leading the team at 15. And has, and we know it was a story a couple weeks ago when Vladdy hit like his first home run of the season at the Rogers Center. I wonder if it's anything to do with like the new dimensions of the building. They brought it just, in. Just like, messing with their depth perception and shit. Maybe all the fucking well, band just, playing like, up in right field is is distracting them. Well, I don't know about that. But I'm just saying, like, the fences are higher in spots, right? And, I mean, it's lower in spots, but the spot that's lower is, like, 400 feet away. <laughs> so there are, maybe, that's a potential reason as to why Vladdy's home run numbers have dipped, because the Rogers Center is harder to hit home runs in. It's possible, I guess. Yeah, but, like, I, I mean, mean, that would account for a few less, not this drastic dip. I mean, you would think right by now he'd be at least 20 to 25. Yes. Right? Like at minimum, he should have been in the 20s. Like, right? and Matt Olsen's at, at 29. Maybe, you know? maybe this home run derby is what he needs. Go out there, jack yeah. a few balls off. Dude, and... some of the people that are ahead of him are just... like Willie Adames. Adams? Adames? Nolan Gorman? Adames? Willie Adames? <laughs> I don't know who the fuck this guy is. <laughs> I don't know. So okay, yeah. So we know there's people ahead of Vladdy that have no business being ahead of Vladdy, or Vladdy has no business being down that low. Yes, Who's we know Luke that. Rayleigh? But at the same time, like he's not—he's one dude on a team that should be performing better at the plate across the board. Dude, former J Brandon Drury has one more. Brandon Drury has had an incredible resurgence of his career ever since leaving the Blue Jays. It's <laughs> so, true. It's very true. Yeah. So yes, so, I think no, that but that's a problem. And I think I, we, I, we were expecting more from Varsho as a hitter, probably. Oh, I definitely. Mean, yeah, but like I think so Aroldis Martinez fine, but like I don't think he becomes your everyday guy. Like he's maybe your every third day if you're bringing him up for a little bit. For like, say if they after the All Star break they bring him up. Maybe till mid August is he your every third day kind of guy, or he's you know, you bring him in for, you know, spot duty here and there just to kind of get him acclimated. And then maybe mid-August, well, if you're in rosters, it or you're in the When hunt. the rosters expand, I imagine he's joining. Um, right now he's batting 230. With, That's not good. <laughs> 230 AAA is not good. <laughs> with 17 home runs. But he, he had 30 home runs and was... Well, he had a 279 in 2021. So in in Dunedin, he's had a hard time adjusting to Triple A, but he's been or Double A, but he's been much better since May. So like he had a horrendous start to the year. So yeah. Well, I, I'm not saying he's a solution. I'm just saying I don't know if they can. I don't know if they can sit here and can continue to deal these prospects for guys that are going to walk or they're are going to hate the gaze and then end up DFA'd and released, right? Like, I don't I don't know they should be continuing to deal from their prospect pool for guys, like, I, again, 
it, so let me pose this question to you guys. They have a handful of prospects they could probably deal outward. Who would you bring in to, fi- to, to fix whatever issues the Jays have? What I'm saying is, I don't know that the answer is out there. I think the answer, for all the times you hear this in sports, the answer is within. The answer is in this ball club. Guys have to, you know, have better discipline and vision at the plate. And Manoa's got to start throwing the ball. And Romano has to stop collapsing. Like, it's just, I think it's just got to come from within. It's also worth mentioning that Matt Chapman might not be back next year. Right? I so, mean, might is, I think. He's a fucking Yankee today. Yeah. Like, he's a Yankee in Jay's uniform. Yeah, I would not be surprised. A lot of guys go from like West Coast, stop in Toronto. Go to the Yankees or the Red Sox. <laughs> it's a yeah, it's like to Lewinsky <laughs> to Toronto to the Yankees. Josh Donaldson to Toronto had a couple like cup of coffee in Minnesota and then went to the Yankees. And now Chapman, actually, if you dial it right back, Donaldson went from Oakland to Toronto, and now Chapman, Oakland to Toronto, and now presumably to the Yankees next year too. It's I, I don't want to see it, but I, I feel like that's what's going to happen. But I guess the reason I'm bringing that up is. <laughs> What's the breaking point, right? Like, I, what, I know they're in a playoff spot right now, but come trade deadline day, if the Jays are two games out of a wild card, do you keep Chapman? Maybe. But should you? Probably not. It's going to be a similar situation that we had with the Toronto Raptors this year, where no one thinks this team's making the playoffs. Or I shouldn't say that. No one thinks this team is doing anything in the playoffs, talking about the Raptors, other than Masai Ujiri. And they, for whatever reason, didn't sell on Van Vliet, who decided to walk away in the offseason. And they did bring in Jakob Potl for some reason. Anyways, the point is, you don't want to be the Major League Baseball version of the Toronto Raptors this, this year. Right. You're going like, to have to make a decision on Matt Chapman. You know, and they've got, like, maybe Martinez, you know, he does play third. Maybe he's a solution for third. Maybe Addison Barger is your second baseman. Like, we forgot about him. Right? He's 23. Yeah, he was actually really good in spring. Right, he's 23, probably it's it's a now or never. I just, you know, you look at some of these teams and I just, I don't know that I'm, I'm getting rid of, like, remember, do you remember when the Jays had th- the farm system that was the most talked about in baseball? And it was like two years ago. They had so many guys in the top 100, whatever. And now it's just, it's depleted. I don't and, know if it was two years ago. I feel like that was the year when... Um, what's his face was selling for Ari Dickey. I forgot this guy's name already. No, they, the oh, Jays had Travis like, Darno, dude. With no, Bale I meant the general there. manager, oh. JP or JP. No, not JP and CB. No, uh, Alex Anthopoulos. Alex Anthopoulos. <laughs> JP and CB was not the general manager. Alex Anthopoulos was. No, you're thinking JP Ricciardi. Samson. I was thinking JP Ricciardi. I was That's way off. <laughs> but, <laughs> yep. Yeah, it's um, I I know they had they, they were like really well talked about once. Shatkins revitalized the farm system. There was all talk about how great the prospects were. They had tons, like Moreno was was up there, and you know I feel. And again, I'll go back to this. I still feel like they should have dealt Kirk instead of Moreno, but well, it definitely looks like that now. But that's one of those situations where hindsight really helps, right? It's kind of like the the Pogi Rass situation where. Oh, you really should have kept Rask. Like, well, <laughs> at the time, no one really knew what that was going to happen. Yeah. But I can tell you one thing for sure. 
that this episode is brought to you by Now Your Treasures. Now Your Treasures are purveyors of licensed fine art prints for movies, comics, TV, and video games. Sourced from galleries in the US and UK, which include artists from all over the world. Visit Now Your Treasures on Instagram. Send a DM 43.6 to receive 43% off any order. All orders are shipped with tracking and complimentary insurance. View the entire ever-expanding inventory at nowyourtreasures.ca or .com. That's N-O-W-Y-O-U-R-T-R-E-A-S-U-R-E-S dot C-A or .com. And remember, go to Now Your Treasures on Instagram and send them a DM 43.6 to receive 43% off any order. Now on threads, too. <laughs> they are also on threads. Yeah. I saw that. I do follow them on threads. Yeah. Someone who I also follow on threads. Actually, it's not true. I'm just saying it. Uh, Max Domi did become a Toronto Maple Leaf officially last week as we were recording. And I don't know if there's anything you guys want to mention that we didn't last week. The one thing that I will say, and I haven't really dove deep into this. I'm sure it may have been answered. I hope it was answered through the media availability that he had. If it wasn't asked, this is another reason why our show exists and sports media in the city is dying but i would love to have known um why number 11 now i know he has always worn a number in and around the teens because he grew up a matt sundin fan and obviously he can't wear 13 for toronto but i was saying well what the like why, why wouldn't you wear 28 and obviously well lafferty wears 28 i think we were all forgetting that that sam lafferty exists on this team <laughs> but obviously it, it happens where guys just like Luke Shen was given two original or he was originally given 22 and then he got two off of McCabe. Anyways, the point is he very easily could have got 28. I just was wondering maybe he just doesn't want it. Like maybe he doesn't want to be his dad. He wants to be Matt Sundin more than he wants to be his dad. And they're different players, right? And I, so I guess my question to you guys is if your dad was a famous hockey player, I shouldn't say famous. If your dad was an infamous hockey player in the market you are now going to, would you want to wear that same number? Nope. I did. I chose my number based on my dad picking his numbers, well, playing. Well, your your first one, yeah. Yeah, like a seventeen and seven and all that stuff, and then I eventually moved on to like forty two and four and fourteen. Fourteen for Shanahan. Forty two for Jackie Robinson and Tyler Bozak at the time. <laughs> I was yeah. gonna jokingly ask if it was Bozak, but it was actually. I have a Bozak jersey. Too. Honestly, though, like you, you can't really fault Bo- Bozak. Did the best he could with the hand he was dealt. Like they didn't go get a proper number one centerman. I know this is completely off topic, but at the same time, they put him in that position, and you know the dude he took all the heat that came with it and just still went out there and you know performed. So good on him. But listen, Bozak cups in the last fifty-eight years, one the Leafs zero. Okay, there you go. But I think some kind of, I guess, play off of my dad's number. Sure, I would do that. But like having the same number, no, I wouldn't do that. If he went out there and he was just like, I want 56, right? I'd be like, all right, cool. It's double his dad's number. Like, I get it. Or if he's like, hey, I want 82. Cool. It's, you know, the reverse of his dad's number. But I can see him not wanting 28-1 because he's not Ty. He's a drastically different player. And two, it's just you're already coming in here with the previous quote that he had about Montreal and now the kind of new quote that he had about how this was always the dream and blah, blah, blah. 
And so, like, why why cause more of a, you know, a hoopla? Yeah, I th- I think the the only hoopla that you would cause would be lining your pockets with all the jersey residuals uh, if you were to sell twenty eight domi in 2023 by the way it's also not lost on me that in 2023-2024 the toronto maple Leafs will have a domi a mccabe and a sundine in the system which is sundine yeah there's a guy at development camp number uh a sundine go look it up uh and he wore 38 well, which was sandine's well, number which is really fucking weird <laughs> well i saw it here uh ronnie hervenen got absolutely laid Dude. out <laughs> That yo development camp, you're supposed to show off like your skills. That dude, I think his name's like Dillinger or something. Yeah, he destroyed Ronnie Hirvonen when his team was up four to one in the blue and white game. And well, a lot Hirvonen of people said, like, man, now. we get if you're doing that in a de- like not a development camp, but you know what? Trey Living's looking for defenseman with snarl, so that yeah, guy was on. uh definitely had some snarl in eliminating Ronnie Hirvonen from existence, but. Uh, is that the word he used? Because I've heard that exact term used. What? Snarl. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. He, that's what he's looking for. Defenseman with snarl. Okay. Um, I, you know what that just sounds like to me? That just sounds like truculence to me. Yeah. <laughs> pretty much. Well, and, they, he, Burke did work. He did work for Burke in Calgary. So yeah. yeah. So um, there you go. But no, I I I agree that. But like, how much? How many residuals would he get? Because a lot of those guys that already have Domi jersey would be like, "Oh, I can break this bad boy out again," and they just wouldn't buy one. <laughs> nah, you'd want a new one, and then you want them side by side. I think that'd be the cool thing to have, have both of them side by side. But uh, did we? Did did you want? Did anyone want to read the the quote, or do you want me to read it? I'll read it. Why not? Okay, we can we can share <clears throat> responsibilities around here. Yeah, what, you the know what? Quote, get, the get quote me. you're talking about is from Max Domi. Yes. Yeah. After he got acquired by the Toronto Maple Leafs. Yep. And so, you know, this was on his interview on Overdrive. So let me set the mood here. <laughs> oh, is that something they do on Overdrive? I don't listen to Overdrive. No. Unique New York. No, it's some prepping. Like anchor. How now, brown cow? How now, brown cow? Scotch, scotch, scotch. <laughs> All right, so Max Domi on Overdrive said his family has this new joke where they're like, now we can stop pretending we're fans of all these other teams. You're finally home. Domi says he's back in Toronto now from his trip to Europe. He's already been to Scotiabank Arena meeting new crew and staff. Also met with Sheldon Keefe about his role, but wouldn't discuss details. Says he can't wait to get started. Max reflected on his father's time in Toronto and how much respect he has for the role his father Ty played, but says Matt's Sundin has always been his guy and that they're really close still today. Domi also discusses on Overdrivers' relationship with Austin Matthews, saying he first met him before he was drafted when he was playing in Arizona. Austin's only 15 at the time. Max says he can't wait to spend more time with Matthews, Marner, Riley, and Tavares, but also mentions his time playing with McCabe and Lafferty in Chicago. Says lots of familiar faces will be good. I think how well-traveled this dude is throughout the league, and you can comment whether that's good or bad. The fact that, one, again, as said, he's coming home, Two, he knows a lot of these guys already. And three, I genuinely think this is the type of dude that comes alive in the lights. And I I think this kind of stage for him is exactly what he's made for as a player. As a player. Here's something that is making me go, hmm, is how much he talked about Austin Matthews. 
and how they're buddies and whatever, right? Like, it just makes me go, hmm. So maybe that is where we slot Domi into this lineup, is right up top with Matthews and Marner, right? Well, I think that makes sense based Marner. on. Well, that's my yeah, that's my yeah. point. Like, yeah, like not only his relationship with Matthews, but good point, James. Like, he also played in London with uh, Mitch Marner. So yeah, maybe it makes the most sense to put him on the top line, and then you would assume then Bertuzzi goes to the second line, which is fine. But huh. so I that think we need to have the conversation because. Now, like, I know this is expanding the conversation from Domi, which, well, by the way, I, know, I, was I think you know where I'm going, though. Indiana yeah, so I think, I think Domi, first of all, I think his role and why he's not discussing it is that they're going to ask him to do everything, similar to Marner. Yeah. They're going to ask him to slot up and down the lineup. They're going to ask him to be probably power play number fight. two. I don't, know if he, I don't know if he penalty kills, to be honest. Um, but they're going to ask him to stand up for teammates, not in terms of fighting, but they're... Yeah, I think I saw. I forget where I saw the or heard the conversation. The Leafs were like the most scrumless team in the NHL. Like they're going to be number one now. Yeah, anytime there's anything after the whistle and people getting involved, the Leafs were nowhere to be found. It's also interesting to point out that teams that get penalized also get power plays in return. So. I think the the Leafs need to be a little more active in terms of their in your face style of game, and they're going to expect that from from Max. But where I was going with this is, and I think Dustin, you're right, is there, there's definitely going. First of all, to frame this up, to set this up, both Domi and Bertuzzi have stated they are looking to stay here in Toronto long term. Yes. So. I feel like yeah, there's and, a and the reason why they signed the one year deal is because supposedly cap goes up next year and then they can cash in on a I more believe, lucrative contract yeah. next well, year. Cap, I believe cap there's a gentleman's agreement between yeah. them and the administration as cuz I mean, let's be honest. Why are you signing one year deals if you're these guys? Like other than well, the cap going up, you know, I, it it makes little to no sense. Well, so, especially, especially cuz Domi yeah, who took a 2.3 million dollar pay cut. Well, and Bertuzzi could have easily gotten the same deal for three, four years somewhere else. And maybe even more term as or more uh cash as well. Yeah. Um, I I I do think that they look at the landscape of this team and they say, Okay, Neilander's probably not long for this team because as much as they can say, Yeah, that's a teammate, blah, 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 they probably know in their head he's not long for that. And their agents have probably said, Hey, look, you know, this team can't facilitate this for long. Nylander's probably the guy on the way out, whether he leaves as a UFA or he's going to be dealt. So, you know, you're- yeah. So like, and that's where I say the math, like you tell me if Bertuzzi gets 6 million over X amount of years and Domi gets four, four and a half, that's, do you want, do you want those two at 10 and a half or do you want Willie at 10? I would, I would rather take those guys obviously at, at 10, both of them combined at 10 because you have Marner, you have Matthews, you have Tavares who can net the puck in the skilled way. You need those guys to pick up the garbage in front of the net when those guys are firing the puck. Right. So I think that's that's how they're going to have to look at it. And again, these guys bring you... A, there, there was a lot of talk about the culture and the DNA. And we've talked about that ad nauseum. These guys bring you that different look through the lineup. I think it's more telling 
about the plan of this team, them signing Ryan Reeves for three years than than anything to understand how they want this team to mold and and to change in the next couple of years. So I don't think you're signing Ryan Reeves for three without underhanded committingly or underhandedly committing to these two for a similar amount of time, if not more. So again, the math just doesn't shake out for William Melander to be a part of this team. And again, it comes down to William Melander or Mitch Marner. And if you look at what Pierre Luc Dubois got, like what what the Jets got for Dubois, what what kind of haul is William Nylander going to get back? Well, not just that, but if you also look at the Alex Debrinkat deal as well, mm-hmm. where Debrinkat similar player, like not last year, but the year prior scored forty one goals, and you know Nylander scored forty goals this year, and um, Detroit gave up a first, a fourth, and a like a, a minor league player and another useful player. In, Defenseman, uh, Kubiak, yeah, Kubli- so, yeah. or Kubliak, whatever the fuck his name Kubliak. is, Kubliak, Kubliak, right? Like there's, or no, or is it no? It's Kubalik, Kubalik, yeah, yes, Dominic Kubalik, Dominic Kubalik, and defenseman Donovan Sobrang- Sobrango, Sobrango. But is going to fetch more than that. He's one year left yeah. at seven. You're going to get him committed wherever he goes, probably long term. I'm the, the rumors out there. Like, the are Islanders, you? Yes, I think so. If you, I, 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 I mean, is it a Pascal Siakam situation? No, where he's. I don't want to be traded, and I don't want to uh, sign anywhere that I get traded to. No, NHL is different because you know wherever Siakam goes, like he wants to be here with the NHL. You got to maximize your earning because of the salary cap. So if a team's willing to offer you ten and a half million, but another team and the Leafs are saying, "Look, we're not going above the Timo Meyer eight point eight, so either take that or GTFO," he's like, "I'll take the ten point five. So, so if you're, what what would you expect in a return for, and I love how we're here now because this is where I always said we were going to end up and everyone hated me, but now that we're here and this is probably the reality we're living in, what is the expectation for a return for William Nylander? Because to me, I think you have to replace him on the second line. You're probably downgrading, but you're, you're spreading that out between, like you said, like a Bertuzzi and guy, right? For me, I'm looking for secondary scoring, like 25 goals minimum. A, a tw- yeah, a 25 goal scorer and a physical defenseman plus a pick. Yes. Like that's what I'm looking yeah. for. I'd be willing to take a second round pick if you get the two roster players that can help you now. If you can't get two roster players that help you now, specifically the um, the defenseman, then I would say you have to at least get a first round pick the secondary scoring and then maybe like a depth guy. But I would say at minimum, you're looking at the two useful now roster players in a second round pick or first round pick a prospect and then a roster player that's usable now. What about Calgary? Send him home. I don't know. I feel like Calgary's too close to the, to the Maple Leafs in terms of, Brad True Living being there well, previously. Not, not only that, I just think like what it, Calgary wasn't that great last year. And yes, okay, they were good the year before, but you're essentially creating Calgary 2.0 if you do that. And we all joke about Arizona taking on lease players and like, or Edmonton taking on all these former Leafs and Zach Hyman, Cody Cece, Jack Campbell, now Co- Connor Brown. That it's like, you know, it didn't work out when they were in Toronto. How's it going to work out here? Granted, so, obviously different. Right, so who, 
so give me an example real like a realistic example of a place and the two players you would want from said place Hmm. The team I'm immediately looking at is, and obviously, like, there's a lot of moving parts in this deal. I think there's going to be a couple different ways this goes. Either Nylander goes and they get back, I think, just a defenseman and maybe a pick. And it's going to be a really good defenseman. So I'm thinking Carolina. I'm thinking Brett Pesci. I think that makes sense one for one. They're both on expiring deals. They're... You're going to save a bit of money as the Maple Leafs. It's about a $2 million difference. And I think that's what they need to do, given their current cap situation. The other alternative I see this going is if they bring back something less useful, but they manage to throw Matt Murray in there as well. And then that really helps them cap-wise. But then you're significantly limiting what you can bring back. I think the question for the Maple Leafs is, what do you want back in terms of a contract? Do you want an expiring one that you're going to be in the same position you are with Willie right now? Or do you want a guy who is under contract at a good number for the next couple of years? Yeah, I'd be looking for something along the lines of like how Jake McCabe or, or Sam Lafferty in terms of quality of contract over time, maybe two or three years left. Like nothing that's going to handcuff you. So I, I know I'm being idealistic here, but... You know, I think the Pesci move is good. I mean, I would want. <clears throat> I would. Ugh. It's so tough because people would be like, "You're a fucking moron." I like Pesci and Jarvis, right? Because that's way too much mm-hmm. for for Nylander. But the 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 Carolina Hurricanes are also going to be cap strapped eventually. So. And any contract Nylander signs is going to be another $4 million. So you'd have to think. Oh, well, yeah. And they're looking at Aho and Svechnikov deals coming up very soon. So, and Dustin, by your look on your face, you're probably all over cap friendly right now. So, yeah, um, sure am. <laughs> so, you know, I, I just, you know, and then there's always going to be the thing about, well, what does Willie look like in San Jose? And can you get a third team to rotate Carlson through to get Carlson? I don't, I don't know that I want. You know, we already have John Klingberg as a defensive hole. I don't know if I want Eric Carlson there. Again, I don't know he's the right player. There's rumors of Pajot plus out of the island. Again, they just signed Mayfield. Mayfield would have been the guy that I wanted, so I don't think he's getting dealt. Would you do something with St. Louis to get Colton Pareko, knowing that you have him locked in at 6.5 until 29.30? He's, he's like 32, isn't he? Colton Pareko, he is currently 30. So you've 30? got seven more years. Of, or here you've got one, two, three, four, five, six more years of Colton Pareko. Right-handed six D, million? 6.5 million. That's, I feel like when we were talking about Pareko three years ago, everyone was like, like that, you know, I feel like now that's a tough pill to swallow. But keep in mind, it's not saving any money. Like if we're looking at guys who are making 6.5 6.9 like it's it's still the same contract right like, well, i think we're trying to find two guys now. that equate to 6.9 right like i think that's i think that's what we're suggesting amongst the three of us is that if we can find a 25 goal scorer that makes three or four million and a physical defenseman that makes two to three then then right we're but okay. i think the, the goal should still be to save two to three million dollars on this so if you're trading at Nylander at 6.9, you probably don't want to bring back more than 
Just because again, like the cap situation they're in, I know there's a lot of things they can do. Like they can dump guys on Robita Island. I get that. They, they got to buy out Murray or deal Murray. That could that could be an option too. Um, and they still have to sign Samson off, who's in arbitration. So, that being said, what about the what about the Winnipeg Jets? And so what about I've Connor Hellebuck? About that. So I've thought about that in working out a way to do a Samson off, or is our Murray? Like I guess they're not going to take Murray, but. Maybe Hellebuck is part of it. Well, they might take Murray if you throw in Willie Nylander. If you do Murray, Nylander, and then you get Hellebuck back, I, you could see it happening. But again, then you have Connor Hellebuck for one year. Now, here, how about this? What if you find a way to get a 25-goal score that's locked up for the next three, four years at like $4 million that can replace Nylander's deal? You take a pick, and then that money you saved, you go get Matt Dumba. And there's your replacement on the there's your support on the back end that you need while equating and saving the money. So yeah, that's that's another piece too. I mean, we don't we don't add in the freeing up of cap space to to that either, right? So yeah, I don't know. I think I mean I think Murray's gotta they either gotta find a dance partner to give to move that money or, or buy him out and take the six hundred thousand penalty and the two million penalty next year. Um, thing is, I love the Matt Dumba idea, but I feel like on this roster, Matt Dumba is probably going to have to get paid $10 million because they gave fucking John Klingberg $4 million. <laughs> There's no way Matt Dumba isn't at least three times that contract. I mean, yeah. it depends, though, because he's Dumba's an Ontario boy. Yeah. He, may see, he may see this team. He may do what Bertuzzi did. He may do what Domi did. And he may do what Klingberg did and say, hey, I can go there one year, four and a half, five million, do really, really well, and either stick with the team or cash in somewhere else after. Well, he made six it's, million last year. So well, I don't think yeah, he's that's what getting... I'm saying. So Yeah. But I mean, Domi took a pay cut. Domi took a over two million dollar pay cut. And maybe you don't need to replace the goal score. I know it's 40 goals. But I'm like, maybe you don't necessarily need to replace that offense with Nylander. And if you just, you're right. I mean, you, if you trade Nylander just for picks, just picks, and then all of a sudden you've created almost $7 million of cap space, and then you add Matt Dumba, that kind of satisfies both needs. And we're forgetting about Matthew Nye is going to play all year. I was just going to say, you, he's there. He's right. already there. And if you slot Nyes into a line with Tavares and Bertuzzi, I think the kid's going to be okay. Yeah. And, of, and there's also Alex Steves, and there's also Nick Robertson. So there's guys who can't... I know, I know Robertson might be a bit of a question mark based on his health in the past couple of seasons, but he's a talented guy, and we know he can play in the, at the NHL level. It's only a matter of time before he's contributing, not necessarily to this team, but at the NHL level. I think Robertson's going to be a good player. So maybe internally you can solve that Nylander offense. I know forty goals is a lot to solve for. But remember, well, as it we stands, also... so if they can, if here's here's the scary thing. So as it stands right now, they are if, if without the Murray money, they have about two point two. If they're not carrying any extra forwards. And they have one extra defenseman without Samson off signed. So you're right, Dustin. In trading either William Nylander or, or let's say Mitch Marner, 
they have to save money. Yes. Like there's no there's there, yes. it's not even a, an option. Like they have to. Yes. <laughs> Absolutely. But we also Absolutely. forget. We also forget that there's a dude who were pigeoning as a third line player who could probably move up and still net 25 goals in Cali Yarncroft as well. Who did played very well with Matthews this year. And oh Marner. yeah. You know, and I'm not, but I think at this point it's it's for sure. Maybe there is an answer within, but like they only have 2.2. If they carry no no reserves at all, they have 3.3 million. But is that including Murray's money? Like if you either put him no, on LTIR, you'd have, to, or you'd, have to, you'd have to move Murray's money out. And that would be 3.38 million. So here's the thing. And this is where I, I know it's frustrating to get into these numbers things as hockey fans. But at 3.38 million, if you sign Samson off for 3 million, which is kind of the number everyone's tossing around, that only leaves $300,000, which guess what? Is not enough to cover the cap penalty of Matt Murray if they buy him out. The cap penalty for Matt Murray buyout would be six hundred eighty-seven thousand. So I'm saying they need another three hundred thousand dollars, and that's with no reserves. So the thing is, though, is like they obviously have access to more information than we do. So I'm assuming that they have every scenario planned out for, and they know you know kind of how to figure that out beyond us just looking at cap friendly and yeah for you know. sure i just again you can't carry guys on the roster with any sort of anything yeah but they they've done they've done that before where they're like oh we'll send them down as a paper transaction they did that all last season to yeah, save the I, money because do, every time do, you send could, a guy down you save like x amount on the cap and you they, accrue that throughout the season they do get a yeah, benefit so, of having the marley so close right yes yeah the point is that we are looking at catfriendly.com, which is an incredibly useful oh, it's, website. It's unreal. But generally speaking, when using this website, you are using it on a yearly basis, and the cap is actually calculated on a daily basis. Yeah. So you can have a guy on your roster for X amount of days, and you're only going to be charged the X amount of days rather than being charged their entire full yearly salary. So yeah, there's a lot of manipulation you can do throughout the season. Um. I've just dumped a couple guys into the Marlies <laughs> I know are not going to make the team. And I threw, and I, assuming that Matt Murray goes to Robita Island, so, so he may not even get bought out. They may just say, he's hurt, he's never coming back, which would be ideal, I suppose. And then all of a sudden, with Nylander on the roster, they have two and a half million dollars under the cap. Which is so not So they'd enough. be totally 100% fine. Well, if still- Matt Murray, wait, hold on. No, I haven't, re- I haven't, I only have one goaltender on the roster. I haven't signed. <laughs> I don't have Samson up yet. So, yeah, they need money. And, and they have to be... Happen. Well, and the thing is, sure, they can accrue the cap day in and day or whatever, right? They have to be cap compliant to start the year. Well, sure. I'm sure they will be. Yeah. Well, they have like, to be. We, they don't have a choice. No, yeah. we stress about this all the time. And then all of a sudden, Brandon Pridham shits out a new cap. And they're just like, all right, we'll go with that. And it works. You know, so I, I think... I do think they'll be okay. I think that there's obviously more to come whether and you never know maybe their solution isn't dealing Nylander maybe their solution is doing something else that we're just not even thinking of because you know obviously we're so focused on the whole Nylander thing maybe there's a couple other things that we're not 
you know, kind of anticipating that they do. Um, you know, like I think the Nylander is most prevalent is because he's asking yeah. for ten million dollars, right? So yes, the, he's knowing, pricing him out of here himself. Right, out I of think here. exactly. Well, right? I don't. I don't think he's wrong though. No, if the guy scored be. forty goals last year, he might not be right. wrong. Yeah, I mean, if you're looking around at this team, and you're looking at everybody else around you, this guy got paid, right? Matthews got paid. Tavares got paid. Marner got paid. Marner makes probably about a million and a half too much. So yeah. everyone around you him is getting paid. Why like why shouldn't he get paid? I don't disagree. He should be asking for ten million dollars. Absolutely he should. You should you can never begrudge a player for asking for either what he's worth or asking to say I think I deserve this. And if someone's willing to sign him at that, that's what that player's worth. People can say he's not worth that. If someone's willing to offer him that deal and he signs it, that's what that player's worth. That's it. End of story. But what bothers me about this whole situation is, could you imagine if the year before the ELCs ended for Nylander, Matthews, and Marner, the projected cap hit for Matthews was $9 million for eight years. And he was like, and Dubas was like, no, we'll, we'll let this play out. And the one for Marner was like seven and a half for eight years. And they did the same thing. We could have had Matthews and Marner for less than 10 million each for but eight again, years each. It's, it comes down to shitty statements like we can and we will. It comes down to shitty contracts that don't buy any years of these guys UFA. Listen, the, Dubas got played by those by the agents. Yeah. Well, see, I think I think a lot of that was that those were the first real big negotiations. Like they say Tavares was not at all. Tavares wanted to come here. He was 50% here. They pretty much just had to put the bow on the deal and say, okay, let's do this. Now with them though, those were the first real hard ones. And after they saw what happened with Nylander, they were like, we know this guy will cave. We're not going to, no, we'll, we'll play it out and we'll get 3 million more per season than we would now. Yeah, but, it's good. Yeah. But Trey Living's I not just, that dude. Yeah, Trey Living, he, not that guy. Hey, you're not that guy, pal. But um, I, I, I think it'll, I do think Nylander will get dealt. And I think it's mostly because he's priced himself out. The other thing we're not even thinking of, maybe he just rides it out for the season and they say, you know what? Let's make a run at this. If you leave, you leave. Fine. And then the Leafs just say, what can we pick up next year to replace it for four and a half, five million to get 25 goals UFA next year? Because next year's UFA class is infinitely better. There's also the possibility that, you know, we're talking about the Domi deal and the Bertuzzi deal, and they're both here because they know they're going to make more money next year because the cap's going up. Well, if the cap's going up, theoretically, you can afford Nylander next year. No, because you got to worry about Matthews and Marner's Dude, deal. Dude, they coming can't in. now. That's what I'm saying. Like, I'm, we, you, you just, I know that there's cap magic and anyone can do it. Again, they, they have to find a way, even with Murray disappearing, it's just not possible. Like, it's just yeah. not. Like, as much of a, you're a wizard, Ari. It's just not possible. Um, you Ari Potter. <laughs> So I th- I think like you said that combined with the fact that this dude's gonna ask for double digits, it it the writing's just on the wall. It just it, I again 
if there's some weird buried line in the CBA, which is like the Leafs can do it, but no one else can, then great. <laughs> like we've solved the issue. If Nylander is hurt until playoffs, we've solved the issue. It's just, again, with 2.2, it's, it won't be enough to get Samson off unless Samson, I was like, sure, I'll have the same contract I had last year. In which case, why the fuck is he going to arbitration? Right? So there's no, he's going to arbitration. Cause this man's going to get three to three and a half million a year. Oh, uh, he'll get, he'll get, it'll be like four. If he goes all the way to arbitration, like if they like, have yeah, oh yeah, yeah, like if yeah. he goes to an arbitration dealing, he's getting four and a half five by an arbitrator. I think they settle with him at three and a half four. To be honest, also Vladdy's absolutely mashing balls. Twenty six. Yeah, he's hit more home runs in this contest in the first round than he has all season. <laughs> yeah, but he's also getting taters from John Schneider, so chill. But yeah. um, yo, Rutschman did good too. That dude, he cranked that, that guy dude. swing. But his swing is so aggressive throughout this whole thing. Like he's gonna be so tired by the end of it. But I, love I mean, Vladdy's swing is fucking violent. Like he yeah, is murdering is. those baseballs. Yeah, yeah. I love Adley Rushman. Like that dude is a baseball player's baseball player. Like he's such a. I remember that clip of him going to. Yeah, his first game, and he's shaking the. I call it Camden, hand but it's Oriole Park, right? It's a yeah, Oriole Camden Park Nerds. now. Camden um, it's just him sitting there, like taking it all in. Like that's my dude, man. Yeah, I so there's an Instagram account that I follow um, called Bat Bros, and it's all these guys that test all these baseball bats. Um, they go to parks and they do it there, but then they also just in like base, you know, college baseball diamonds, they try them there, and then like all these, you know, softball bats, baseball bats, they try them out. And Rushman's been on there a few times with them just testing bats, and they're like, let's see us go up against, you know, a major league hitter. And he's, he's a funny dude on there, but. Um, yeah, that's where that was my first introduction to him. So no, he's a good dude. Happy for this guy. But digress. The Leafs. Yeah, there's some magic that has to be done. Um, I think they'll figure it out, and I think we'll have the discussion closer to either preseason or closer to the start of the season if we think they will be a better team than last year. But I think that they're going to personally. Be I think sorry, they're going to be different. Very. Do I still think they'll be a hundred pointish team? Yes. Will they be 115 points? I don't know. Will they be taking a pound of flesh off some people? For sure. And you know what? If they're not third place and they're sixth or seventh, that might not be a bad thing for this team. Yeah. They have to play Boston or Tower with the same cats over and over. Maybe they could play someone different. I don't know, but like this is the year that Boston and Tampa really look like they got... They, oh, do, oh, those those teams are infinitely like Boston's in a like I know we don't have a lot of time to cover this and maybe we'll do this next week. Those two teams, Boston's in a world hurt because they yep. definitely they have no top they line Tyler. They thought they were getting Tyler Bertuzzi, yep. and they did not. And, and then they lost out on everyone else. No top line center. They have Bergeron's probably not coming back. Krejci's not coming back. I mean, they they are in some dicey territory. They have, they have goalies then, to deal. So that yep. could help, but like Swayman's going to arbitration, which means even if you're going to get like him, six million, right? So now you're dealing a six million dollar goaltender, or you're dealing Allmark. <laughs> I don't yeah. know, man. But yeah, that's that's a conversation either for yeah. next week or in the most dead week of the sports calendar. <laughs> yeah, the Maple Leafs are definitely going to be different than they were last year. That's for sure. Something that's also going to be different this year is the NBA's in-season 
tournament, I guess so, is what we're calling it. Yeah. Um, I, I, I saw a, a quick video on TikTok of like how it's breaking down and they're going to divide every team in the NBA into groups. And then during your regular season games in like the month of November or something like that, your the games that you play in that month are a part of a tournament. And then the winners of these games move on to the semifinals and the semifinals and finals take place in Las Vegas for some reason. And then the winner gets crowned the NBA Cup champion. I love it. I don't get it. <laughs> okay. I think it's, it's fucking dumb, man. No, I, I, you know what? I love it's, it for a couple reasons. One, I like it for trying something new, trying something different. Let's, you know what? You're going to have your NBA champion, which everyone's going to want. But let's put some more stake on the game so you don't have these teams tanking throughout the year just for the sake of tanking. So you're kind of... Obviously, you're still going to have teams that are going to do that, but you're subverting it a little bit. Um, the way it works is that so from November 3rd all the way through November 28th, each team will play four designated group play games on tournament nights, which is one game against each opponent in its group with two games at home and two on the road. Um, so the tournament night would be, say, every Tuesday and Thursday throughout the month of November. Those games, yes, go to your season, you know, your 82 game schedule but they're strictly against the teams in your grouping and all the games in the NBA, those two nights are grouping games towards that tournament. Yeah, right. It's the same way, same way soccer works, right? It's, it's exactly the thing I hate about soccer. Yeah. Where it almost seems like every week there's some cup or some tournament. And I'm like, what the fuck? What is this again? Is this a regular season game? No, it's the, it's the CONCACAF cup. It's the gold cup. It's the Champions League. It's the North American Champions League. It's the Banana Cup. I'm like, what the? What is all this? It's <laughs> Mario Kart. I, I, <laughs> yeah, the Shell um, Cup. Look, I get it from the NBA's perspective. I totally get it. Um, Maddie, you're right. There's so many games in the NBA schedule that don't mean anything, and so many players don't care to play. And teams <laughs> that end up in the playoffs shit. with losing records. So, like, maybe this helps. The competitive spirit in well, midseason there or is, not midseason. There is a prize pool for the team and the players, it's like a right? Million um, something in it. Oh, I think it's more than that. Okay, but sure. But I think what the NBA is probably looking to do here is create more sponsorship revenue. Just yeah. so it so it can be like the Geico Cup or some shit eventually. Gatorade. And you'll get a fat check for it, right? Or the Gatorade Cup or whatever. Yeah. Insert corporate sponsor here for the name of this cup and that is what i think they're ultimately trying to do because it's, <laughs> it reminds me of wrestling in that all right roman reigns is the world champion and no one can beat roman reigns all right here's a new belt and here's seth rollins you defend this new belt that means nothing it's imaginary it's just a thing i think if the nba wanted to do something meaningful it would be outside the 82 game schedule not necessarily in terms of time, but like if it's going to be in November, like think of the Olympics where you take a break in the middle of the season and you play the Olympics. That's a tournament people care about. I would remove it from the season and say, we're going to play these games against this international team from Spain or this international team from Brazil or whatever to make it seem like it's different. Because to me right now, just looking at it, this looks like meaningless games in November that you're going to attach an imaginary name to and make it sound like I give a shit about it, but I'm not going to care. The reason they're not going to do that is they're already complaining that 82 games is 
too long of a season. So what you you either a have to reduce the season down to 62 games and then you do whatever outside of that 82 game schedule in that break in November. Fine. But no one the, complained about how long the schedule was when the Olympics rolled around. Because they no. wanted to play in the Olympics. Right. But right? at the same time, though, guys, are, you're already having beyond that, which is every four years. And that's international. I, I think you can't kind of, I don't think you can lump them together because representing your country is a different, it's, a, it's its own thing. No, I agree. I, I'm just saying, like, look at the NFL where they said, you know what? We want to make more money. <laughs> We're going to make the season longer. And the player's like, no. And the owner said, well, fuck you. We're going to do it. And lo and behold, here we are now. It's an 18-week NFL season. Right. But the different league where the owners have all those players by the absolute nuts. Yeah. Like, I guess the NBA is like the opposite almost. Right. right. So yeah. I think, I think you know, it's, it's a different... It's a, the argument can't be equated in the same way. So I would say that I, I, I enjoy that they're trying to do something new for arguably one of the most dead periods of the season for the NBA. Um, and also too, to, like I said, to curb tanking a little bit, you know, cause you're going to have teams and players competing for something. And who's, who's to say that in the inaugural season, yeah, we all look at this, but then they say, okay, this is what didn't work. This is what did work. This is what people said. This is the feedback we got. Great. Let's do, let's go next level with it. Let's, Let's amp it up a little bit. Let's change it up a little bit. You know, I just, I think for so long we get annoyed with some of these leagues being like, oh my God, just do something different. And then when we try to do something different, they, we absolutely shit on them for it. Like, let's see how it works first because, you know, I, I do think it will make some of those nights more enjoyable. It's like I said, Tuesdays and Thursday nights in the middle of November. Like, dude, those are, those are the games that everyone like when you joke about going on the road as a sports team in hockey and basketball, you're like, Oh great. A Tuesday night in Oklahoma, you know, that's all. Yeah, that's true. That, yeah. I mean, there are some games you're just like, why the fuck am I watching this? Or you're not saying why the fuck am I watching this? Cause you didn't even turn it on. Yeah. I call those the TSN games. Hmm. <laughs> you know, any of the, any of the, any of the Leafs games end up on TSN, you know, it's the dog shit games of the of the season, right? Because Sportsnet has the national broadcast games, and then they have half the regional games. But they ended up putting like national games on a Wednesday night, and lo and behold, at least play every Wednesday night. So, anyways, the point is they curated that schedule to fuck TSN, which is pretty funny. Into like the only games that TSN get is like the Tuesday night game in Nashville, where you're like, I don't give a flying fuck about this game. It's Tuesday night game in fucking san jose so it's like 9 30 at night <laughs> right and no one's gonna stay up to watch this game go go to work in the morning no so so no, i get do. it I, I get they're trying to make these games more interesting but i'll i'll have to wait and see how it goes but to me it just seems like an imaginary nonsensical thing that we're adding to these games to manufacture interest but rather than how, making how- like that's the only way you're going to generate interest is by manufacturing it because so many people are so cynical at this point that you know you have to do something to figure out what does and doesn't work i i I think there's ways to make it okay so i think it'd be a longer and more difficult process to make the games more meaningful within the season by just addressing your branding issue with the nba and by addressing any other outlying problem you may think that there may be whether it's the player sitting out finding them for doing these things finding teams for doing these things that's going to help in the long term make people more interested in watching these games 
the other but thing in the is, short term, yeah, yeah, I can I see this working. You're right. I think like there's other adjustments they could make. Like I'm not saying this can't work. What I'm saying, I think, I'll, I mean, I'll I'll check it out because like Maddie said, I'm gonna give it a chance. But the one thing I think the NBA should find a way, and I know they can't, but the reason some of these games get so uninteresting is you get a team like Phoenix, which has like five different stars on the team and then they got to go play the fucking pelicans or somebody or, or the hornets that don't have any and you just like you're watching some teams just get obliterated because the all like the, all the players are on one team and it gets kind of irritating and it was great so, to watch you know the nuggets win and it was great to watch you know the heat go and i was in, i was glued to those games because it it was so refreshing to not see you know, a team with three or four guys just dominating ball games. So if it was me and I was working for the NBA and they came up to me and said, we're doing this, I would say, okay, I'm going to do everything I can to make this look different than yep. a regular NBA game. For sure. So Branding different, right? coloration different, presentation difference, everything. I want exclusive jerseys that these teams are going to wear exclusively for this NBA Cup. I would also mandate that these nights are absolutely zero chance unless triple doctor approved. Guys can't load management these nights. Nope. It is mandatory to play in these games, as every game in the NBA should be. (laughs) And for every one of these games they don't play, they get suspended for one. Yep. They are suspended for another game, and the team is fined $100,000 per player or something like that. Yes. I would have it. I think there's got to be a different way to present the game on television, whether using AR or you're using uh, different production elements that you don't normally do. I would use a fresh commentary team. Mm -hmm. I would use different lighting treatments. I would just do so many different things to make this game look completely fucking different. I would take it almost to the college route. You know, okay, okay, like kind of have like that that March Madness vibe to it a little bit. And then I think you can really go on from there where it's like you almost treat it like March Madness or playoff games, t-shirts in the stands for the home team. So everyone's wearing the same color. You say, hey, get in like special band or something like that to play music, fucking get cheerleaders on the floor like they do in March Madness at the end of the post or whatever, like just add more to it to kind of make it feel like there's a little bit more grandeur to it than just, okay, these are tournament games. That's a separate tournament outside the league, but playing within the season, like you said. Um, And yeah, like this is your opportunity to really say, Hey, here are things we've always wanted to try, whether it's technologically or whatever, we can leverage that to see if that works with pushing this. You know, whether it's mic up players on those nights. Oh, or, for sure. It's definitely a test and learn. Like, they should use it as a test and learn, for sure. Yeah. So, I like, you're right. This is a great opportunity for them to say, yes, this counts towards your 82, but it we want a different look and feel to really hype this up. Right? <clears throat> so, use that Vegas sphere for when the finals go on. You know? Yeah, if they're going to continue to do Las Vegas... If this thing does build to be something people care about, I guess it would be cool to eventually use their new football stadium instead of you know T-Mobile Arena. I assume they're I assume they're doing T-Mobile Arena, but nevertheless, like I like I think one day we get to the football stadium, and you're right, like do it like March Madness, where it's 
even if you want to give away tickets to the home teams that make it, like maybe that's an incentive, right? Of like, hey, if you make it and you win or you're in the finals, like your team is allotted 20,000 tickets that you can give away to your fans. Yeah. I don't know. Just but like, there, ideas. there's things that they can do. Obviously, we just know what the format is. We don't know what they have, you know, presentation wise to go with it. And obviously, there's there's a lot of shit they can do. I just think that for so long, we get stagnant and complacent with some of the sports things where as much as we want them to do stuff different, we never really like, like we have like random, you know, really high level ideas. But I think it's kind of refreshing to see a league like the NBA that it constantly tries to do something different. Dude. Like with their scheduling saying back to backs, we're going to do like, you know, you're going to play. Yeah, you're going to play this team two, three straight times, but it's to avoid, you know, travel constant travel reduce the travel time and stuff like that Dude, so why didn't they why yeah. don't replace the fucking all-star game so that the tournament leads up and this is the all-star game and they do the skills competition anyway and then this game just replaces the all-star game fantastic you do the finals at the all-star game and say hey look this team ended up winning their bracket in the west this team won their shit in the east and just time and it so that the finals is then like i don't understand why it has to be in november well, I think because they're, it's it's revenue streams for the NBA. Yeah, so if right. you make this into a revenue stream, game is you're not going to take away from the existing yeah. revenue stream, right? So Whatever. Yeah. But, Don't listen to me. No, like, I, I just think there's things that the other sports could do or be a little bit more forward thinking to say, hey, what else can we do to make this more interesting? Um, Like, I know for years in the NHL, they said to avoid tanking. Like, you have teams compete at the end of the season for, you know, either that first overall pick, but which never made sense to me when people said that, because I was like, so wait, you're going to have guys compete for their team to get that first overall pick, which could cost a guy on that team a job. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Like that doesn't make sense to me. So, um, I just, like I said, is I'm at the point with sports where we've seen the same shit. Like we've seen presentation differences and technology differences and whatever. I'm at the point where, Finally, the a league is trying to do something different, like very different. And I'm here to at least give it a shot. And I'd like to see other teams try newer shit too. Yeah, I, it is different, certainly in terms of North American standards. Um, it does ring a lot of uh, similarities to what we see in soccer. But one of the soccer things I wanted to talk about is very briefly, I don't know how much time we need to spend on this, but my favorite TikTok I saw this week, and I don't know if I shared it with you guys or not, but it was this dude getting interviewed outside BMO Field after TFC lost again this weekend. And the dude was saying, <laughs> because this was like Caribbean night or something, Caribbean carnival night, whatever the fuck. Oh, no. <laughs> and they were wearing their new, uh, like, I don't know how to describe it, like a tie-dye paint splatter, pink and blue and yellow jerseys. And the dude was like, we have more kits than wins. <laughs> we have more kits than wins. There are now four kits that TFC is wearing. They have their, there's like a home uh, one that's gray. And then there's the away one that's white and gray. And then there's this new paint splatter uh Caribbean one, and there's that weird blue, like underwater one. <laughs> I love, and like all the memes that came out after it was like more kits than wins, and then dot dot dot, and none of the kits are red. <laughs> like, there's, 
they're the Reds. Yo, like they're called the, the the fucking Toronto FC, and like they're called we're the we're the Reds is what the, the, the chants are. It's so MLSy. And here we are with four fucking kits, and none of them are red, and they have three wins on the season. Um, I don't. I I I was trying to look for it in the box scores as to why Bernadeschi wasn't playing. Um, I don't know if it was another one of those coaches' decision or if he's actually hurt. But I will say that at one point I looked over at the press box that he was in and he just looked like, like he was just miserable. so fucking bored, miserable, looking at this shitty team in front of him that, again, I don't know if he's hurt. I hope he's hurt. I, I shouldn't say I hope he's hurt. What I mean by that is, man, it must feel fucking terrible if you're not hurt and you're told you're not making this piece of shit team any better. You can go sit up in the box. Which is weird because he's the best player on the fucking team. Obviously. Right now. He's got to be, like, right? Yeah. Ahead of Insigne, even. So, I, I've, I mean, if you're these guys, you've got to be thinking, why the fuck am I here? Which is real fucked because, like, this team's success has always been predicated on their imports. Right? So, I don't, I don't really... I don't really know what the next step for TFC is if, if these guys aren't going to find a way to play or they're not going to surround these guys with a coach or players or whatever. I mean, I, I think, was I right in hearing that Insigne was getting offers from Saudi Arabia? Yeah, that's one of the rumors swirling around that he is looking to get out because Saudi Arabia is offering a ton of money. And like, take it. <laughs> like If I was running TFC, I'd be like, see you later, man. This didn't work out. Go get some money. And yeah. we'll we'll find something else. Um, I, I just think, listen, I'm not the biggest soccer guy, so I may not I, I may not necessarily know exactly what I'm talking about when I say these things. But when I first heard that Insigne and Bernadeschi were coming here, I I don't think we were doing the podcast at the time. I don't think we were. I wish we were because at the time I had said, "Really, the fuck are these guys?" Now, again, that's probably because I'm not much of a soccer guy. But at the same time, in my head, I was looking at it like the Italians didn't even make the World Cup. So what the fuck do I care about two random Italian guys coming here? If we're talking about two big stars from a World Cup country is coming to TFC, I would say, all right, sign me up. I am interested. But two star players from a country that can't even make the World Cup I didn't think was that much more special considering Canada was in the World Cup. So I would rather have two random dudes from Canada. For context, Giovinco came here and they want to, they want to cut. I mean, again, the team was no, but at that time, uh, Italy was a way better team. So much so that Giovinco wasn't even on that Italian national team. Right. So that's the difference. I'm not saying Italian soccer players suck. Well, and these guys, these guys, at this given moment, they're not like the top of these guys were probably B minus players in Syria, but like Bernardeschi is should like should be like he's the best crosser on like he's got the best foot in the team. Like I I just don't understand what's wrong. Like Canada's goalkeeper is the national goalkeeper. And I mean I, I, although he didn't play this week in the Gold Cup because ugh, Canada shit the bed. Um it's I don't know what the solution for TFC is. I think they gotta uh, maybe they got to move on from these guys and start over. I, I don't know, but they're not. They're like and you look. Other teams are going to get better. Like the the team that's below TFC is Inter Miami, 
But Inter-Miami has Lionel Messi coming, so that's going to be it. And I believe also um, Eldon Hazard is going there too. Uh, so um, it's just... You know, like Tia, MLSE has the ability to make TFC a destination. Toronto has the culture ripe for footy players. It's just a matter of finding the the player. The problem is you're never going to get triple, quadruple A players because it's either at the end of their careers or they, those guys want to play in the Premier Like Mbappe's for sale. PSG is trying to get out of the Mbappe deal. He's not coming to MLS. He's 22. He's 20, whatever. He's going to Arsenal. He's going to Liverpool. He's going to whatever, right? In 10 years, when he's 32 to 35, he might come to MLS, but he's not coming now, right? Messi's coming here because he's going to he's gonna own a franchise that when his contract's done and make gajillions the way Beckham is, right? So it's, it's not... The, the, ugh. And I, I was just I getting into I, TFC too, and that's the problem. Like I was, I was invested, I was ready to go, and it's just it's such a bummer to see them on this trajectory. And with Messi coming to the league next year, you know season ticket prices are going to skyrocket next year. Even though this team is going to win no more than five games, and they season. play and they play Miami once maybe or whatever yep. here, and then maybe. still, and, and yet you're just hoping Messi's going to be there. Yeah, I think it's clear. I think it's clear what this team needs though. It's Jamie Tart and Zava. <laughs> and Roy Kent is the manager. <laughs> and Roy Kent. As long as they can get all those people and Ted Lasso and, and even Nate the Great. Give um, me uh, Ovisanya. Yeah. All of them. I mean, every single one of them. I'll it, take FC exactly Richmond this over this team. Like, just the guy, the actors. And it sucks because, <laughs> like, Jonathan, <laughs> Jonathan Asaro is hey, on this team. Football is life. Danny football Rojas. Football is life. Yeah. Give me him. Give Actually, me that guy Ross. that guy was a professional player in Mexico. So give him to they me. They should go out. Put him on the I team. mean, the Raptors went out and got Bo Cruz. So why can't TFC go out and get Danny, Danny Ross? Ross? Exactly. And don't even call him by his real name. Put Danny... <laughs> make oh, his no. name Rojas. No. His jersey needs to say Rojas. Yeah. And that's how you start selling yep. one of those four kits. <laughs> one of the four kits. One no, just make kits. an AFC Richmond. Do like a deal with... H or uh, with Apple TV and be like, hey, let's do AFC Richmond jerseys for TFC. Let's call them TFC Richmond. There you go. <laughs> TFC or the Richmond. TFC Greyhounds. Richmond Street. <laughs> yeah. Rich hey, man, there, there's something here. Yeah, right? See, we're, we're brilliant. <laughs> we should work in the marketing department for this team. So, for well, all leagues. With that being said, I think it's time for everyone's favorite segment of the week. I got to pull it up. I wasn't ready for it. that's right it's everyone's favorite segment of the week because it is the one time this week you're gonna hear maven's entrance now that you can hear it dustin it's the one it's the one time in the last couple weeks you've heard it Actually, it's not even true. I still can't really hear what you're playing over there. I'm just kind of timing it in my head. Um, I actually, what is it called? I saw TikToks. Now, I see a lot of Tough Enough on TikToks. And um, (laughs) I see these clips of Maven and the Triple H basically telling them they're pieces of shit. 
and that guy's balls are hanging out. <laughs> you got you got one of your nuts <laughs> hanging out. You got a hole in your shorts. Man, that show was awesome. That was that was a different time, man, where Survivor came out and then Big Brother came out and then the entire world was just reality television. And for better or worse, like it worked out for a lot of things. Like WWE Tough Enough was an incredible success for MTV and as we were talking about it earlier today with UFC and the Ultimate Fighter just is what launched UFC to the property it is today. That's Stefan Bonner and uh, Forrest Griffin fight in the final of UFC. Uh, Iconic fight. It's just incredible fight. It's one of those things where I remember exactly where I was when I was watching that fight. It was incredible. Along those lines, my shout out this week is going to go to the UFC broadcast team. Okay. Everyone, at least I shouldn't say everyone. Everyone in the Twitter world or in the now threads world are now they, they throw around who's the best wrestling broadcast team. You know, is it Kevin Kelly and uh, Nigel McGinnis? Probably. Is it Excalibur and Tony Schiavone and Taz? Definitely not. Is it um, Kevin Patrick and Corey Graves? Probably not. Anyways, everyone has like a different opinion of like who their commentary team is and who they like and who they don't like and whatever. The answer is UFC. John Anik, Daniel Cormier, and Joe Rogan are by far, it's not even close, the best broadcast team in combat sports today, period. It's, it's, it's not even competition. Those guys are just so damn good. And when Mike Goldberg left UFC, I didn't think it was going to be the same, but man, John Anik is incredible. He is such a good broadcaster. And I have to also mention Megan Olivia as well who is fucking incredible. I don't know if you notice this, James, Maddie. next time you watch UFC, when a fighter is doing an entrance, like before the entrance starts, they have a one on Megan Olivia, or Olivia, or however you say her name. They have a one on Megan. And she is like doing a 45-second monologue with no teleprompter and going on about this fighter and why you should care about him and what happened in, in their lives and blah, 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 blah. And as she's talking, the fighter starts walking up from behind her and they pan out the camera so you no longer see Megan anymore, but you start following the fighter and they start following the like it's just so seamless and perfect. And like it doesn't make sense like how good everyone is in the broadcasting world in the UFC. So I my shout out goes to the UFC broadcast team because they are impeccable. Nice. So I guess I'll go. I have two. Well, I had one at the beginning, um, but now I have two. Um, so the first one, it's kind of really more jokey, but shout out to billionaires fucking absolutely tearing each other apart over something so stupid as social media platforms and Twitter and oh. threads. I thought you were going completely different direction when you talk about billionaires. I thought you were talking about like the, the implosion of the, the submarine thing, but no, you're talking about billionaires fighting over social media, which yeah. is very funny. Oh, it's hilarious. Seeing the back and forth. Now, this was my thought. Do you think that this is all manufactured, that they don't actually like hate each other, or whatever, but like, hey, we can generate, you know, a lot of publicity doing this? No, I think they have two competing companies. So like, I think they, I they legit, legitimately think like Elon's suing. <laughs> like, I think he, yeah, I, don't I think, think Elon's too much uh, out there. To, so my thing is, is I always, I, you see a lot of these like other platforms that try and rise up and they kind of fizzle away. 
I think if there's ever one that would be able to take Twitter down or at least go to toe to toe, it would be meta because of everything they have behind it, integration with different platforms and like an already built ecosystem with Facebook and Instagram and that future integration with things like Mastodon and other platforms that they're planning on doing. Like, I just think that the potential expansion or what threads can become, I think is what scares I guess all of the minds that be at Twitter, but I just think it's hilarious. And so my shout out is to two idiots like that going at it. So good on them. My actual other shout out is as we were talking, Julio Rodriguez put up 41 homers in the first nuts. round of the home run derby, just jacking the ball all over the place. And it was a sight to behold. Um, so my, my shout out to that dude, cause that was impressive. James. My shout out is to Matt Turner, the goalkeeper for US uh, men's national soccer team. And the reason I'm shouting this guy out is because Canada played US in a Gold Cup quarterfinal this week and it went to penalties. And Canada had the first penalty kick, had Vittoria as their first penalty kicker. And guess what? Matt Turner stopped it. And then he proceeded to stop another Canada shot. So he sh- he stopped two Canadian penalties to advance the U.S. men's national team in the Gold Cup quarterfinal. Can- well, I-, I don't know fair. whether I should I don't know whether I should shout out how bad Canada was. <laughs> or, was say, Canada or, did not deserve to win that game. And the how, only reason it was tied was because of a handball in like the 90th minute. Right. So shout out to Matt Herner because I mean saving two penalties is something that's real tough to do, and that man did it. So. Well, I mean, when it's Canada, they find a way to, you know, anyways. <laughs> I just have very uh, low hopes when it comes to the Canadian men's national team as of late, which I shouldn't. I was so, like, in on that team, but so, nevertheless. Before we do go, I think next week's episode might be interesting because of how much there isn't going to be of sports for the rest of this week. Oh, that's okay. We have something in our back pocket. Yeah, we've got, we've got things. We, we have things, things percolating. Things are percolating. There we're are not things. totally decided on what exactly we're going to talk about next week, but we have ideas. we have some ideas that we've every time we like talk about our schedule and we're like, okay, what we're we going to talk about this week? There's always something that gets bumped. And we're like, that's a good one. Let's save that for later. And let's save that for later. We have a couple of those, so we may dive into that. But you're going to have to tune into next week to find out exactly. And I guess that'll do it for this week's episode. Thank you for all of you for listening. Thank you for sharing and subscribing and telling all your friends about this wonderful program. And that's about it. See you next week. Until then, take care of yourselves. Thank you.